Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. In the world of running, I've had this adventure. I've been able to go on these extremely long runs down country roads. And one of the coolest things for me moving to Slinger is that I run like by like buildings and then I'm running by sheep. Like I'm just, I just go. And one of my long runs actually takes me on this back path in which I go around and run all the way to Jackson. I run around Jackson and come back. It's a 13-mile loop when I'm doing these long runs. And the best thing for me is early in the morning in the summer. The sun is rising and it's still relatively cool out. And I go for these runs. You're like, everything you're saying right now sounds terrible to me, Jason. But hear me out. And I go on these long runs. I put in my headphones. And sometimes I listen to worship music. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. Sometimes I listen to the amazing 1980s pop music, which you should all listen to. I'm all over the board. But there's something that I don't ever consider when I go out on these runs. My safety. Like, I'm very nervous about drivers. So if you're ever driving, please look for runners. And I run into traffic, and I watch. And I always have this time in which I see a car coming to make sure we have eye contact. I'm always ready. I believe in my mind, if he comes at me, I can juke out of the way and dive into a ditch. But that's pretty much all the concerns I have, is someone hitting me with a car. I mean, that's a big thing, but it's been okay so far. When I talk to my friends, specifically my female friends, I hear a different story. My female friends will share with me what their running experience is like. They're like, you have no idea, Jason. There's no way I'm running on a country road by myself. There's no way I'm going to go all the way out there without at least pepper spray on me or something. And you don't know what people say to me when I'm out there on those runs. The things that are said out of cars, the whistling, the comments, the statements, all these things are coming as I'm just simply going for a run. And Jason, you don't understand I have to wear eight layers of clothes when it's 90 degrees out because I want to make sure that I'm not giving anybody a reason or anything inside their mind to start doing something even worse, stopping. My friend shared a story on how she and her partner who were out running, her and her friend were out running, and a van followed them all the way and then tried to get them to get into the van. I I don't have that experience. I mean, definitely no one's going to stop and pick me up. I get that. But I don't have that fear. I run in the middle of the country. I could go forever. I don't even have to think about that. Like, what is happening that a person can't even go out in a run or go out with something, their fear of something happening to them? Have you ever just stop and pause and think about maybe this idea of our overly sexualized society is having an extremely negative effect on us. Now, this has been a problem throughout human history. I understand that. But let's just pause and ask the question, is there ever a time in human history that sexuality is now literally in our hands, on phones, on TV? It's being shoved down our throat at an entirely new rate. And this sexuality is starting to actually morph and change the way that we view humans. I no longer see someone as a human, I start to see people as objects. 
Because when this kind of thing is happening to my friends, with just going out for a simple run, afraid of being hurt, stolen, who knows what else. What is going on in our culture that this is happening? Well, but maybe this whole sexual, it's not a big deal. Sexuality, it's not a big deal. It doesn't hurt anybody. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not bothering anybody. What I do, what I watch, what I listen to, it's all my choice. So therefore, um, that's not really a big deal. I'm going to share something with you that may or may not be a shock to you. The majority of Christians who say they want to remain virgins to the point of their marriage are usually highly engrossed in pornography already. That they're using that as a, well, at least I'm not, so therefore this is okay. This is happening at a rapid rate, not just with males, but females. These statistics are mind-blowing. And the fact is, the majority of you sitting here in this room and those online, that the majority of you at some time have struggled, are struggling, is real. Statistically, the majority of people are engaged somehow in some sexually explicit things. And you ask the question, what is going on? What's going on with our culture that this is being just driven into us so deeply? This is a very, very big deal. The way that we view sexuality and the way that we engage in this is such a huge deal because it's changing the way that we think. It's changing our very makeup of humanity. Uh, Dr. Norman Dotage says this from Columbia University. We're looking just from the concept of pornography. It creates perfect conditions and triggers the release of the right chemicals to make long-lasting changes in the brain. You build pathways to say, I get instant gratification, and this person is an object to me. So I'm just going to throw this out here. Is there any correlation from my experience of my friends and the usage of sexually explicit materials? Is there any connection to say, this person is an object, and so this person running down the street is just an object to me? It changes the way that we view others. It changes the way we think. It's having a very, very serious impact on our society. But as we go forward, I just want to share right now, if you do struggle, which there are many in this room that do, this isn't to shame you. This is not a shame time or a guilt time. This is a time in which I say, guys, gals, I'm with you. I want this to be a healing time. I want the Spirit to speak to you to know that you can be free from this because it is the new drug. The new drug is pornography. It is explicit. It is at your hands. It is right there on the computer. It's anywhere that you want it, as fast as you want it. I no longer have to try to sneak something from the 1970s. My, my, my friend's dad has a stash of magazines. It's not like that anymore. You have instantaneous new drug, which gives you what you want when you want it. And the male and females are both engaged. This is here to free you today. Free you from the words of Jesus, because Jesus has talked about this he warns us as humans. Before there was this technology at our hands, he's warned us. Secondly, if you are struggling today or have struggled, know people that are struggling, let today be a day of just processing your relationship with sexuality, of the healing of just processing how am I engaged when I am involved sexually, but also how do I view my fellow brothers and sisters? This was so impact on me years ago that part of my process of being free from this is I started to say literally 
my sisters and my brothers, as it calls us in Scripture. So I call, if you ever say, oh, the sisters, I'm referring to you, the ladies of the room, my sister, you are my sister. I should treat you and love you and respect you like my sister. And to the brothers, I say those are the brothers, to honor, respect, and love you as brothers. And I encourage us to start to think that way, because in that way, I've given you an identity of worth. The identity of worth is family, not an identity of an unknown face in which you're simply here to fulfill my desires. And so today, we're going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is this fascinating teaching, if you're just joining us for the first time, in which Jesus takes the principles or thoughts of our world and he flips it upside down. And as he flips it upside down, he starts to teach what's the values of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, Jesus comes to earth. The kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of humanity. And so once again, another teaching from Jesus would have the entire crowd sitting there just hanging on for dear life. We're in Matthew chapter 5 verses 27 to 30. Matthew 5, 27 to 30. I encourage you, as always, read along with me. Um, if you have your Bible apps or iPads, those are excellent things as well. I'll be reading from the NIV version. Lots of great versions out there. But Matthew 5, 27 to 30, Jesus makes a statement to listeners in this group. So last week, he talked about anger. He flips everything upside down about the way that if you're even angry, you've already committed murder. So he is talking about the condition of the heart. This is the same condition of the heart, but now he changes topic and he challenges our view of lust. Verse 27, you've heard it said, that is said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. There's a whole lot of idlest, handless people in our room today, and I'm one of them. I'm one of those people who has struggled, did struggle, will continue to struggle with this idea. And just because of simply looking in a certain way, my eyes should be plucked. If I simply move on something, my hand should be cut off. Jesus, you are too extreme. That's the end of my sermon. Let's pray. Wow. There's something, there's something heavy here. Jesus doesn't just say words to say words. There's something here we've got to dig into to see what's going on. He begins by quoting the seventh of the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit Adultery. Now, to the Jewish culture, the people there all would have known the Ten Commandments. They would have known this. The Jewish men actually learned the first five books or the Torah, and so they had it memorized. And so the Torah, in which the Ten Commandments are found, do not commit adultery. We know this. And so the crowd would have been like, you know, they just said about anger. Like, okay, hey, you've heard it said you're not supposed to get adultery. We know this. This is a simple one. It's kind of like you've heard it said drive on the right side of the street in America. It's simple, it's elementary, move on. So he takes this simple concept. He says, you have heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I'm going to take the kingdom of God and flip it upside down on its head. This isn't about following a rule. This isn't about if you don't do this and then you're going to be good. He, his intention of this is showing our intentions are equal to our actions. Your intentions are equal to your actions. In God's kingdom, our hearts, our motives, and our intentions are equal to what we actually do. 
So he says, don't commit adultery. Understood. Adultery is a very specific sin. Adultery is a sin against a married person who is engaged something either emotionally illicit and intimate outside of that marriage. Adultery is a breaking of a covenant and a stealing of something which is not yours. It is taking something that does not belong to you, have no right to. That person is committed in a, in a covenant before God, and you are taking that relationship, breaking it apart to take what you want out of it. There's a lot of layers to this word adultery, and specifically, it's looking at this idea through the heart. If you look lustfully, you fornicated. One commentator I love makes this point. He takes the word looks, and he dug out the word looks in the Greek and the Hebrew, and he says this. This isn't just like a passing glance. If there's a really great-looking guy walking down the street, you're like, oh, he's attractive. Okay, we're human. That's not what Jesus is saying here. It's always about the intention of the heart. He takes the word looks. He says this. It's not a passing glance. It's a leering or staring it's stopping, it's going back, it's locking on. So this idea of looks isn't like, oh, she's really attractive. It is, oh, I want that. There's a locking into, a, into the idea of you've moved from admiring into something that's dark. You've moved from saying that person is pretty, that, that man is handsome, into I want that. And inside of that, depending on how you objectify and how you view humanity, changes the entire concept of what that look becomes. Now, think about the pathways we talked about in the beginning, about how pathways are made by the use of pornography, the devaluing of humans, this whole side of things. And now when I am driving down the street, that person is nothing more to me than another person on my screen as opposed to that is somebody made fearfully and wonderfully by the hand of God, and that brother or that sister is valuable. It's devaluing when you look lustfully. So at this point, you start moving into a place of this idea of there's just this mental fantasy starts to become into a reality. If you even look you have. Now, the crowd would have been torn by this because they would have heard this and said, okay, he's not going after our ethics. Like, our ethics are simple. I'm not going to do that. I choose to be an ethically good person, so I'm not going to ever do that to somebody. I would never think of having an affair with somebody. And the Jewish teachers there, and whom he's teaching to, he's teaching all these uh, rabbis and uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, all the Jewish teachers and leaders, they would have said, well, of course, we all agree not to do this. But Jesus goes beyond the, the crowd's view of lust, and he moves it into the culture where they have to now engage the fact that they are guilty of it. In the Jewish culture of the time, the Jewish men were expected to marry, when they married Jewish women, were expected to have their heads covered all the time. Very different culture from today. In the, the culture of Jesus' time, women were not valued. They were added on to a husband. If that husband's gone, they, they're widows. They can't work. They can't get jobs. They couldn't, they couldn't learn. They weren't in school. They were dependent upon men, very different from our culture of today. And so they believed that it's the woman's fault if a man lusts. So it is your fault, ladies. Imagine this. It is your fault if Johnny Q is driving down the street and he has something going on that's an issue. But Jesus flips it. He flips it because he says, no, 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 no. 
This is not true. The responsibility for lust is on the person who does it. If you look upon somebody lustfully, if you are the one that's leering, if you are the one locking on, you are responsible of the sin of lust here. And so that crowd would have said, whoa, yeah, we get this idea that it's bad, but why are you blaming us? It's all her fault. Do you see what's happening here? Don't we still say that today? It's all your fault. It's your fault that I have this problem. It's your fault that I, well, if you wouldn't have been doing that, I wouldn't have been here. But all these things, we start placing blame on someone else. The blame, the, we always look at our own hearts. Now, I'm not saying there aren't people who are doing things promiscuously on purpose. I'm not saying that, and that's not the purpose of the message. We're talking about who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to us. And this isn't a male-female thing. This is male and female. This is the idea that I lock into something that I want that's not mine, and I've devalued that person to be an object. It's lust. Now, if you know anything about lust, which I assume many of us all do, because at some point, at some time, we've messed up, we struggle. The idea behind this is it's a contrast to love. The idea of love is sacrifice. True love is I give myself as a living sacrifice to you. I give everything to you. I value you. I find high worth in you. You are important to me and you're important to God. What you have, I find a treasure. Contrast that with lust. Lust says, I don't value you. You're here to serve me. I desire and you're here to do what I want. It's a complete contrast of the idea of love. So all of our young ladies and young men in here, I challenge you as you look for a spouse that he or she values you and that that person loves by serving you. If it is simple physical attraction, after being married 20 years, I can tell you this. I don't look as good as I did when I was 18 years old my wife met me. She looks better, I look worse. Physical attraction changes. But the idea of love says I give my life as a living sacrifice to you because that's what Jesus did. And so when you look at lust, it's a complete contrast. This idea of us wanting and taking, we try to rationalize it. We start to say things. That's, you start going on that slippery slope, and you all know it leads to sin. So Jesus lays this out. Lust demands possession. I want you. Love values and respects and serves. And there's no place in the kingdom for it because God is love. God is love. God is sacrifice. So in the kingdom of God, he says this. Think of it this way. If I don't value humanity the way God values humanity, I'm not living in God's rules. God loves male, female. He loves all of us, and he doesn't devalue one over the other. He values his beautiful children. We are created fearfully by the hand of God for a purpose of his mission. And so when we at any time devalue somebody, that's not of the kingdom. That is counter to kingdom rules. Now, the kingdom of God is an easy group of rules because now Jesus moves on. This is how serious I am about this, friends, he says. If your right eye causes you to stumble, verse 29, 
gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. That's extreme. So how serious is Jesus about this? Like, in his kingdom, he is saying something extreme to us to warn our listeners and to explain how his kingdom values work. Because character, who we are when nobody's watching, the true us, is what Jesus is going after. And when he says this, he's making a statement. Now, we can pluck out our eyes and you can still lust. Because you have memories and you have thoughts of your past. You don't have to have your eyes. And you could cut off your hand and you can still lust, right? You don't need your hand to lust. There's a million ways you could do it. But Jesus is making a statement. Whatever is causing you to go down this pathway, you must get rid of it immediately, and it will be a huge sacrifice. So let's just fast forward into the year 2020 for a second. Are you, willing to, are you willing to sacrifice something of great value to remove the sin of lust in your life? Great value. Would you get rid of your phone? <gasps> oh my goodness, there's no way. There's not getting rid of my phone. What am I going to do for my maps? And how am I going to know how to get stuff? How am I gonna no, 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 no. Would you get rid of your phone? Would you get rid of your TV? Would you get rid of your computer? Would you, would you block stuff? I mean, are you willing to go to an extreme measure so that you stop the sin of lust? And if you believe, friends, for my friends here and my friends online who are not married, if you believe once I get married, it gets better, it does not. It doesn't change. In fact, the character in which you're building now only is exemplified inside of your marriage. Because if you say, if I get married, then I'll stop doing that. No, because your, your partner is not going to make you happy all the time. And so you're going to say, well, if I can't have what I need from home, then I'm going to look elsewhere. That, I do a lot of marital counseling. Guess where all of it starts? Right there. I'm not happy. He or she doesn't fulfill my needs. The person at work is so nice to me. You don't understand. He hears me. He cares about my feelings. He listens to me. My husband doesn't listen to me. You see how this moves? Are you willing to sacrifice? If you believe that this is no big deal, your answer is like, no, I'm not going to sacrifice. It's not a big deal. But if it is a big deal, we need to explore uh, a formula here that Jesus has created for us. He has this formula. What comes through the eye grows in your heart. That leads to action with your hands. All of our note takers, I'm going to say that again. What comes in through the eye grows in our hearts. That leads to action with our hands. Have you ever thought about sin this way? Because his focus is on our intentions and our motives. What's in our hearts births actions, eyes to heart, to heart to hands, eyes to heart to hands. Let me say this again, eyes to heart to hands. The men who are watching my friends, well, that was not a first time, there's something in their heart that led to action. When words were stated out of windows, there was something in their heart that led to action. When that van pulled up next to my friends, Something that was already in their heart was leading to action. Eyes to heart to hands. If you believe it's innocent what you're putting in, it's no big deal, it doesn't matter, I'm just looking for a second. Eyes to heart to hands. What comes in through here grows inside of your heart, leads you to doing something. My friends, my female friends led me into this world. 
unsolicited. They never asked for anything, but things were said to them. My female friends would tell me that they had fear of things that would be words spoken, walking into a room, words spoken, innocent places, things said to them. My female friends talk about their threat to safety. They're afraid for themselves. They're afraid for their friends, which leads to things. My friends, some of you have been engaged in someone who took that from you, and you were raped, both male and female. Eyes to heart to hands. Jesus in his kingdom is giving a warning to all of us to say, don't let this equation destroy people's lives. The equation of eyes to heart to hands, when we bring sin into it, destroys your life and destroys others' lives. In the kingdom, Jesus has so much better for us, so much better. But let's take a second here and start to ask this question. If you're in the struggle, you are struggling, have struggled Wherever you are on this journey right now, know somebody, have children who are struggling. Look at it through this eyes. What is causing us to lust? What's causing it? Is it social media? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Is it Snapchat? What is it that's causing you to move down to the eyes, to heart, to the hands? Is it simple things like, oh, I'm just watching a movie. No big deal. Is it shows that you're watching? Is it things that you're reading? Are you willing to go to the extreme to get rid of anything that's causing this to have eyes, to heart, to hands? Are you willing to cut the ties? Will you cut your hand off right now? Eyes, to heart, to hands. Everything that we see, anything that's causing problems, eyes, to heart, to hands. And so this morning, uh, parents... I have a word to you. If you are not in somehow engaged in monitoring what your children and students and teens are, by the age of fourth to fifth grade, they're already engaged, and the addiction has already started to pornography. Already they're being taught a lie of what relationships look like. Already that they're engaged in something that is not working. Statistically, fourth to fifth grade is the beginning. They say it's now even happening sooner. I remember the first time an ad popped up on an innocent game that was being played for children I couldn't believe what popped up in a sidebar for a click that was clickbait that moved into something that got blocked in our computer. It is not, I have to go looking for it. It's handed right to them every single day of their life. Our teens and our youth are in it every day, but it's not just teens and youth. I want to challenge us as parents. Parents are afraid to talk about it often because they themselves, A, don't know how to talk about it. It's okay. Got to learn but two, because they're engaged themselves. I don't want to be very stereotypical, but let me be, because I've done lots of men's retreats and things, okay? The dads don't want to talk about because they struggle with it. What do I tell my son if I'm struggling? How do I put uh, guards up on stuff? There's a conversation that doesn't want to be had because they themselves are in the eyes-to-heart-to-hands motion. And so how do I tell my son about it? Well, I have a couple of things for you, a couple of resources this morning. Because I've gone through this with myself. I've had accountability partners for years that have talked through this. I've gone through multiple forms, and I want to share a couple of those today, both for myself, for my family, and for my children. So first thing, a couple of resources. There's this resource called fightthenewdrug.org. Fightthenewdrug.org. It's a website that goes through and gives you statistically of what is happening in our culture right now. If you are unaware of what's happening, this is a fantastic 
website to just learn, read some articles. It goes into what's happening among youth, among teens, among women, among men. Fightthenewdrug.org. I encourage you to take a look at that website to be educated. Secondly, Questodio. Questodio is an app that's used in my family. Uh, it is a monitoring system, a monitoring program. Uh, you can pay for an upgrade, I think it's like 60 bucks a year for it. And what this does is gives full reports of what's being seen as well as blocking anything that's inappropriate, but also shows those clicks to side clicks that could happen. It shows screen time. Every kid's like, Jason, please don't talk about screen time. Yeah, I'm talking about screen time. Eyes to heart to hands. So Questodio is an awesome app that we use in our family. It's been a great tool to help block. But understand an app is an app, and there's still ways around things. It's more about the conversation. Do you have the conversation in your home of the teachings of Jesus, eyes to heart to hands? Have you had the conversation about what's appropriate, inappropriate? Have you, have you had the conversation to say what's valuable, how we should value humans and not just be objects? Thirdly is X3 Watch. X3 Watch is a, is a monitoring system in which my accountability partners use this. I get a report showing me every website they go to. So there's no blocking on this one. You just see every inappropriate site that comes in. And let me just share, what an uncomfortable conversation when you say, hey, man, notice that you went to this.org. Uh, what's up? But you know what? Knowing that somebody's watching is a helpful tool. Now, again, these are just tools. Tools are meant to help grow the heart. This doesn't solve the problem because as soon as Questodio is done, X3 is done, anything is done, you can go right back to whatever you want to. It's about training and equipping not only our next generation but ourselves. Training and equipping ourselves to get out of the cycle that is causing so much damage in our culture. X3 Watch is free. Uh, it's a free program as well as they've got some porn addiction recovery um, options there if that's part of a struggle with you or inside your family. Finally, this is the simplest of all of them. You can block your phones. You can go into settings, and there's phone content codes. Uh, Kristen, my wife, has my codes. My phone is locked because I don't trust myself. The heart of man is, is evil. And so there's all these extra things, plus we have a code because sometimes it blocked like Target. I'm like, Kristen, I got blocked for Target. You know, I don't know why, you know. So, so I just want to get some shirts, you know. But so she can unlock it for me at that time. It goes back to locked. Content is a free thing on each of your phones that you can do. And then a code that should be known. I encourage you, friends. Why not? Would you be willing to cut off the most valuable thing to you to get out of this cycle that is killing our society? Jesus talks about it. Our hands lead to our actions. So let's talk about that for a second. Because in one sense, he talks about what's going in through the eyes. Then he talks about the hands. Hands are action. This is the doing. So let me ask a question, lay a scenario out. You see your old boyfriend on Facebook. Man, he looks good. He's aged well. Ooh, he's making a lot of money, too. That's awesome. Looks good, super successful. You reach out, uh, message. Hey, how you doing? Things look great. He comments back. Yeah, awesome. How have you been? Haven't seen you since high school. Heart flutters. Oh, yeah, well, I've been doing good. Forget that you're married. Change your marital status on Facebook. And you just start talking. Just an innocent conversation. 
that innocent conversation starts to twist inside of your mind. What if I didn't break out with him? What if I would have stayed with him? We were, we, were, we were prom dates. I mean, we could, I mean, I could be living with him, and he's a doctor, and you start to play this fantasy out inside of your head with some story that you're making up inside of this boy that you used to date back in the day. And this starts to now turn inside of your heart, and your heart's now turning to actions. Hey, what if we just got together for a cup of coffee, innocent cup of coffee? I just wanted to say hi. That leads to two cups of coffee. Do I need to go any further? You know what I'm saying. Every single person I sit with in marital counseling, relationship counseling, there starts with a small crack. It wasn't some big decision. It was a heart-to-hands type thing. They already had something brewing inside of their heart that moved to some sort of action, and this crack got bigger and bigger and bigger, and everybody justifies it. You don't understand. My husband doesn't talk to me anymore. He doesn't like me anymore. We don't hang out anymore. He doesn't look good anymore. I have low self-esteem, so I don't know. I don't know. I can't really tell him what I'm feeling. Whatever the story is, something corrupt inside of the heart leads to an action to say, I just want what I want. Do you see how this is dangerous, friends? This is such a huge problem. What about this one? You're at work, and you're working with someone, and she is super cool, like super cool. And you just start talking, and you start having lunch together every once in a while. But again, it's your coworker, she's cool, no big deal. But this conversation starts to build a little bit, and you're flirting just a little bit. You know, what's, it's just flirting. You got your game back, guys. Like, I still got it, right? So it's a little flirt, a little text message, like, hey, hope things are good. And then you start, all these text messages start rolling on top of each other. They start building up, and all of a sudden, these text conversations lead to, hey, we should get together and just get something to eat sometime. We'll talk about the project we're working on that grow and lead and build. And you know the outcome. Where does this start? Eyes to heart to hands. Not one person have I ever met in counseling, especially my premaritals, say, I can't wait until the day I cheat on you. It's going to be a great day. You're not going to satisfy me anymore, and so I'm going to find somebody else who makes me happy. This is okay. Nothing starts that way. Something dark starts inside of the heart. Maybe it's that in through the eyes, this heart is growing this seed of sin that leads to actions. Friends, listen to the words of Jesus. He is very, very, very serious about this. Whatever is in your life right now that's causing you to lust, cut it out. Don't do it. It leads nowhere good. Jesus says so much that you are in danger of living a life so engulfed with sin that leads straight to the pit of hell. That's how dark this is. If if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what does. Because this sin can corrupt somebody so deeply. Think of the things that can happen which started with just a simple little look that leads to lives ruined and destroyed. That's what Jesus is teaching us. If you're acting out on any of them today, if you're in a relationship with some other person, physically, mentally, relationally, if you are doing something that we've talked about today, this isn't my life, this is your life. I'm just here to guide you, friends. I challenge you, I ask you, I beg you, because I love you, stop. Please stop. For our families, will you please have the conversation? Would you consider walking with your son and your daughter through what it looks like 
to have a clean heart and a clean mind, that they would choose to have better than what the garbage of the world offers us. Instead, we would value people to the highest, our brothers and our sisters, that we would see things differently. In the kingdom, the kingdom of God, there's no place for lust. Lust is in contrast to love. In the kingdom of God, love wins. And friends, I'm in this battle with you. This is not a day of shame. It's a day of healing. Be free today. If you need someone to talk to, Pastor Nick and I are here throughout the entire week and weeks to come. We're a safe place to process. We've been doing this through for years. I've talked to both young and old, both male and female, for years. If you're a sister and you're struggling, my conversation will lead you to a conversation with a sister because the girls need to connect on this. And guys, we're here for you, but listen to me when I say this. You can't fight this alone. That's what the body of Christ is here for. We're all in this together. For God's kingdom come, for his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our hearts lead to our hands. Our eyes lead to our hearts. What can you do today to cut off that which is causing you to lust? Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.